Hey there, it's the real Jason Duncan. I've got a special announcement for you really quick. I am hosting the Exit Lifestyle Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. 2022. You don't want to miss it. Go to theexitlifestyle.com to learn more. Well, I think about in sales, um, you know, if, you, if you're trying to communicate the value of the product or service you're offering, you could say, look, it's a glass of bourbon. Okay, that's, that's fact, but it did create value. But if you're creative and say, well, this is, uh, you know, this could lead to more free thinking, more enjoyable experience, you know, and 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 get into it, the emotional values, the right? Emotion. Yeah. Take Apple. Create. Take Apple for example. Steve Jobs created a computer, and you could just look at the functional value of a computer. Yes, it's, it's a rectangular box with a screen and a mouse, and it does this software functionality and so forth. But he went to the levels of the way that it looked. The way that it looked inside the computer that the consumer doesn't even see, to bring that emotional value to, to the end user that the Microsofts and everybody else in the world just psh, whatever. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to the Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to the show. It's the real Jason Duncan. I'm glad you're tuned in today on the root of all success. I've got a got an interesting guest for you today, somebody that's a little bit outside the norm in terms of the entrepreneur box of people that I normally talk to, but his perspective on how business owners need to think through things I think is going to be really interesting for you to listen to today as we talk about how to be more successful, which is what the show is always about. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing to the show, no matter where you listen to this on whatever podcast player uh, big shout out to the C-Suite Radio Network for syndicating us on their network and pushing us out to all the podcast players, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever it is. Please take a moment to go there and leave a review. Believe it or not, that review actually makes the show better because the higher our review, the, you know, the more reviews we get, the five-star reviews, the higher we show up in the listings, the higher we show up in the listings, the more people like Andy reach out and say, hey, I want to be on the show. I, I think you're doing a great job. I'd love to be a guest on the show. And we get more interesting guests. So make sure you do that. Thank you for doing it if you've already done it. And if you aren't watching this, it's actually videoed too. And we put this on my YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash Duncan, And you can watch this episode and all the other episodes. Plus, I put out tons of other video content on a regular basis. For you as an entrepreneur, how to exit your business without exiting, <laughs> how to exit without selling. And I talk about lots of things related to the entrepreneurial condition. And we're recording this right here in the Rhino Room at the Standard of the Smith House here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Andy drove up today, the guest drove up today from Atlanta to be with us. It's such a fantastic place. This is a 
private club, cigar bar, public restaurant, very nice steak restaurant. And today we're hanging out, having a little uh, little bourbon, talking, just hanging out here in the Rhino Room. And uh, you, you got to watch this. You got to tune into YouTube. You got to watch it. So so let me talk about today's guest. So Andy and I were introduced actually as a result of just this show. Him and his his booking agency finding out what the show is about. Say, hey, this is a cool show. Let's come up. I would love to come up and talk to you about what I'm doing in the entrepreneur space and how I'm coaching small business owners. So he spent uh, most of his career with Boeing. He spent actually 22 years with them. And he always felt more like a coach than a boss while he was there. And he was actually, he, the way he puts it, and I think is a very interesting way to describe it, is that he was introduced to entrepreneurship within the corporate structure because they asked him to go out and start this airspace design consulting business from scratch inside the corporate structure. Now, certainly not your traditional entrepreneurship experience, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, what that means and how that differs from maybe your experience and my experience as an entrepreneur. But all of that gave him unique access to things that people like us, as the more traditional entrepreneurs, didn't get access to. So he has a bachelor's degree from Georgia Tech in electrical engineering. So yes, we're talking with an engineer today. If you've ever worked with those people, you know who they are. When you find a good one, you invite them on a show and you talk to them. Otherwise, you let them stay in their cubicle and do their jobs. <laughs> and he's laughing right now off camera because he knows I'm telling the truth. Uh, he has a master's degree in computer information systems from Georgia State. And uh, he's he, the work that he's been able to do is taking him around the world. He worked in the Beijing and the Sochi airports for their respective Olympic Games, preparing projects for that. So he's got a really interesting background. And what he told me pre-show when we were getting ready for this is that he believes that entrepreneurs and business owners need work on their insides as much as they do on their tactics, procedures, systems, processes, et cetera. And uh, he would love to have a conversation with you about how he can use his strategic skills that he developed years in the for, from his years in the corporate world and how they can make you better as a business owner and as a small, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur. And uh, he has a keen sense for applying those business concepts from the corporate world back into the entrepreneurship. So this is gonna be, a very interesting conversation, one that I'm looking forward to. On a personal note, he uh, he and I share our love for guitars. We we both play guitars, so uh, I'm not sure that that's going to be part of our conversation, but I think it's cool because I, I like to play guitars. Uh, very strong Christian faith, which he and I both share as well. And uh, what the way he describes it, he's very strong left brain and right brain skills, which you don't usually find that in the same person, especially one with an engineering degree. So we're gonna we're gonna talk with Andy McDowell. So Andy, thanks for driving up from Atlanta. Thanks for being here today, and I'm excited to bourbon. get. I'm excited to get to know you a little more today, man. So uh, so what was it about the show of talking about entrepreneurs? You're like, dude, I gotta be on. I gotta do that because because you're not the traditional entrepreneur, right? No, I'm not the typical entrepreneur, and. Um the entrepreneur journey that I've taken has gone from the gamut of starting working with entrepreneurs and small companies, took that skill set, that experience, moved into Boeing, which is one of the biggest corporations in the United States, and bringing that entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, into a big corporation, and now jumping out of the corporation and becoming an entrepreneur myself. Uh, from the perspective of my own coaching business. So. What do you think what do you think in the corporate world is the number one difference between corporate life and entrepreneurial life? 
well, obviously decision making. <laughs> okay, I would I would you also know, agree with we're, you. But what do you mean by that? Like, what do you specifically mean by the decision making? Well, a lot of it depends on the culture of the corporation and how much they push decision making down into the organization. If you have a very uh, authoritative type culture, then you're not really making the decisions. You might be creating ideas, but they have to be pushed up one, two, three levels up in the company and get a decision made and then pushed back down to you to execute. Versus are you given a budget and a direction and you're free to go? As long as you stay within your sandbox, you're good to go. Yeah. So a lot of it depends on the culture of the corporation. So I don't know the history of Boeing, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. So I'm going to ask a couple questions about that. Boeing. Uh, started here in the United States? Started in Seattle, uh, making propeller planes, mostly for like uh, U.S. mail, you know, uh, what we call air mail, mm -hmm. <laughs> back in the day and so forth. Um, so as a, where they got their roots or where they started. So as a company, though, they're huge, largest, one of the largest employers in the country today, but they were at one point an entrepreneur startup, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so what happened? What I mean, they think? were mostly in the civil aviation side, and yeah. they bought McDonnell Douglas, I don't know, back in the 70s, 80s, early 80s, that had a big military presence, and that's the reason why they bought McDonnell Douglas. McDonnell Douglas was somewhat in the civil side, but a lot of military right. work, and they wanted that combination. So in an instant, you know, with a few signatures on pieces of paper, they automatically came into the military so frame. So if the biggest difference in your opinion and perspective between corporate life and entrepreneurial life is decision making, which the you were you were polite in the way you described it, it's bureaucracy. It's it's those levels, yes. it's those levels you gotta push through in the corporate world to get this to get things done because everybody's CYA, you know, they're protecting themselves. So why did an entrepreneurial company or how does an entrepreneurial company start with easy, flat level decision making? All of a sudden, now you got twenty layers. Uh, what 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 does that transition? Why does that happen? Well, it depends it depends on the uh, the size of your product lines, your service lines, the complexity of your product and service. Uh, do you have aftermarket pieces to stay hands hands holding? So it, a lot of factors go go into it. Um, but also it is an innate decision out of the executive team to go, how many layers do we want? How close do we want to be to the customer from that perspective? So it is a matter of choice, but also sometimes necessity given yeah. uh, the nature of what it is they're offering to the marketplace. Yeah, I think that in my experience as an entrepreneur, and I know a lot of people listening would probably concur, you know, you as the as the as the founder, as the entrepreneur who starts the thing, you're pretty much a hundred percent in charge of culture and the way things are done. Yes. Up to about twenty or so employees. Once yes. you pass that twenty or so employee threshold, and it's not that the twenty-first employee changes everything, but around that number, uh, life within that company starts changing and things start taking on their their own a life of their own. So Boeing has tens of thousands of employees. So they're around long, the world. Yeah, long past that 20 employee mark. And so you say by necessity, sometimes by choice, that bureaucracy creeps in. And I think that entrepreneurs need to know that that's, uh, you know, if you're building a huge business, it's going to be a multi billion dollar business, you're going to be corporate one day. You're not going to be entrepreneurial anymore. Yeah. And there's a difference. Well, one of my favorite sayings is uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. 
and you can have the best strategy in the world, uh, but you're going to fail at execution of it because the culture of your company is such that work can't get done. Yeah, you know, particularly if all the decision making is up at the the business owner or the leader of the company, and you're on vacation or out out on a sales call or whatever, and everything comes to a grinding halt because you haven't given some kind of accountability or authority or something of that nature to your employees to make decisions, it all comes to a grinding halt. Yeah, well, and that's, and that's your decision as yeah. a business owner. And that's exactly what I work with entrepreneurs with every day is about how to not to make that happen. You got to exit without exiting. You got to set the systems and processes up so that the business operates without you. But the uh, the, the really far to the far uh, pendulum swing in the far direction from that is setting up so much level, so many layers and levels of bureaucracy that you actually work against yourself too. Well, let's talk about Boeing. Like, how did you get your job at Boeing? What what how what was your entrance there? Uh, I came into Boeing through an acquisition. So. Out of grad school, I worked for two small entrepreneurial companies, uh, the second one of which was in the aviation market. It was launched and grew during the process where cellular companies were starting to come on board, and they were having to put their towers up everywhere. And they're required by the FCC to do filings with the FAA to make sure their towers don't get in the way of the paths of the airplanes. And so this small entrepreneurial company had ex-FAA folks that did that type of work within the FAA. We could do it much quicker than the FAA. So if you're, if you're trying to build a business very quickly and it takes the FAA six months to get you an answer of a yes or a no, you can build a tower and it comes back as a no, you're, you're hurting. Yeah. And so we, with about a 95 to 98% accuracy of an answer, got it to them within two weeks, and they wouldn't have to waste their time with FAA to get a no. Speaking of bureaucracy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I came in in the company as a consultant, and they lured me away, and I became the head of their IT function, and my expertise was in what's called geographical information systems, and I was able to build a system for them that reduced their time and expenses by 75%. Wow. And the two owners decided to sell that to a company called Jeppesen, who later, a year later, got bought by Boeing. So you- and that's were, how I got into Boeing, was through an acquisition. And then at what point did Boeing tap you to do this startup, as you refer to it as entrepreneurship within the corporate Well, they signed structure. a contract with the two owners to stay on board to put together a management team, and those two put me in charge and they left, took their money, and then I was given the task of building this consulting service because Jeppesen at the time had been asked by their customers to get in that business, but they didn't have the expertise to do it. And that was part of their interest in buying the business was to garner that expertise. And uh, Boeing's attraction to it was that they wanted to um, grow the overall size of airplane sales. But you can only do that if the ATC systems around the world can handle the increase. And so they wanted to develop this consulting practice to help governments around the world start doing things that was going to enable more capacity in the system. So you developed this uh, aviation consulting group within Boeing mm -hmm. to go and consult governments yes. on what specifically? Well, at the time, GPS was coming on board. Yeah. And GPS, what year was this? Uh, right around the turn of the century, right around 2000, 
GPS enables much higher levels of accuracy in the flight path of an aircraft. And a lot of the distancing that air traffic control puts airplanes close together is because of the air. And when you can reduce the air or the accuracy of the flight path of the airplane, you can start sticking them closer together. And when you do that, you increase capacity. Oh, okay, so you're consulting with them on how to use the GPS, the global positioning system, so that they can increase capacity, more airplanes. Yep. Aren't we in an interesting time right now? I mean, with your background with airplanes and stuff, like air travel over the last 24 months, 18 months has been interrupted by our pandemic, and now we're seeing the you know, walkouts and shutdowns currently, as we're recording this today, in October of 21. You know, we're seeing shutdowns. The, the air travel's kind of taken it on the chin over the last couple of years. Uh, what's your perspective yes. on all that? Well, it's taken it on the chin by the nature of the virus, and you've got 100 to 300 people stuffed in a, in a metal cylinder, all jam-packed close together, you know. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason for the downfall, if you will. Uh, the, the issue at Bear right now is them trying to get back going again. Uh, but when you understand the number of hours of training that pilots go through and what the, the cabin crew in the back has to go through, the regulations that the FAA requires on how they maintain currency and the training and so forth, you can't just flip a switch You know, say, hey, Captain, hey, First Officer, there's an airplane, go flying. You can't do it. It takes one, two, three months of spool-up time before you get crews all ready to go and head out to the airplane and start flying. And, and be compliance with the FAA. So um, Boeing, I, I think, is a name that most of us are familiar with. Generally speaking, as an airplane company, they build big airplanes. Um, who, who are the people, who are the other companies that Boeing is competing with on that space for building the large airplanes, commercial airplanes that we're flying? Because I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know who they are, but I know Boeing can't be the only yeah. one. So, uh, there's, well, there's Boeing and Airbus. They're the two biggies. Okay. You know, Airbus being... Is Airbus a United States company? No, European. European company, okay. Uh, they, in the last five years or so, built a major plant in Mobile, Alabama. That's their first U.S. presence. And they wanted to, they wanted to build it near the U.S. airlines to get more business out of them, to say we do have an American presence. Uh, but the other two major players uh, are Bombardier out of Canada and Embraer out of Brazil. And Airbus bought Bombardier. And after they bought Bombardier, Boeing was in heavy talks with Embraer, uh, who also does a little bit of military work. Uh, and long talks, long talks, long talks, and at the end they, they walked away. Um, so they don't have that. Bombardier and Embraer build the smaller airplanes, you know, the 75-seaters, the 100-seaters, 125-seaters type class of airplanes. So they're on the smaller spectrum. So when did you leave the aviation world? When did you step away from Boeing or that whole So I, I was laid off because of the 737 um, crisis, uh, along with thousands of other Boeing employees. And I left the company in June of 19. Oh, wow, so not too long in the past here. And what did you do next? What was your next big thing? Well, for me, the thing that got, always got me out of bed was, uh, was the people of Boeing. And uh, we were alluding to the left brain, right brain yeah. type aspect in the life coaching philosophy uh, of being a leader. 
um, had a lot of folks that sought me out as a mentor within the company, but I was, I was flying around the world half of my days in a year, so I didn't have a lot of time for it, but it was the one that uh, always brought a big smile to my face, and what got me out of the bed in the morning was to, um, was to build people, right? So when people ask me, what do I do? I don't say I'm a life coach or I'm a small business coach. I say, I either say one of two things. I change lives or I build businesses and I build people. Why did you choose that? I mean, I know that you said that's what gets you out of the bed in the morning, but why did you choose going into a coaching business at that juncture in your life? What was it about that that said, I think I would be? Well, I, ideally, I wanted to do 30 years with Boeing um, and then do what I'm doing today part-time on that basis. But, you know, Boeing had other thoughts, so I moved the timeline to the left after 22 years and decided to go into it full-time. Um, my life changed when Boeing gave me an executive coach. Um, I came out of high school and college with very low self-esteem, uh, didn't like myself very much, and uh, came out of a divorce and said, this is not the life for me. This is not what I want out of my life. So I went to therapy, I read a lot of self-help books, and I started my growth mindset journey uh, from there to go after the life that I wanted for myself. And uh, the coup de grace for me was the executive coach who, after listening to me for a while, said, you either have a fixed or a victim mindset and you keep looking in the rearview mirror. And you gotta stop that. You gotta heal your wounds. You gotta turn around, start looking forward and start growing the life that you want for yourself. And it just, you know, it's like a brick going right in my face like, Crap, you're right. <laughs> and that's when my life started, you know, turning around. And so part of my effort now is to pay it forward. You know, the coach did something for me, and in turn, I want to do that for others because I, I know the joy and the happiness and the success that comes from doing that. When they, uh, when they assigned the executive coach to you, what was your first thought? Like, man, I don't have time for this. Or No, I was eager for it. I was eager for it. I had had like three or four bosses at that point. I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere within Boeing. My philosophies and visions were totally out of the box compared to where they wanted to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there a little schizophrenic going, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Or, or do I really have some good ideas here? And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm looking at it all wrong. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it from this angle, but I need to look at it from this angle. I wanted a second opinion, you know? Yeah. Well, that's to lay all that out in confidence that. and say, tell me where I'm going wrong because uh, I've got this flat forehead with blood dripping down and so forth, trying to get people to see certain things. Um, I really wanted Boeing to turn from an airplane company into more of a aviation company to get into other areas besides just making airplanes. I thought that strategically they were the best spot to do that. What part in your journey with Boeing as an executive did you, was the, like you, you in 2019 you came out of Boeing, mm -hmm. but so at what point was that executive coach introduced? Uh, about 2012. Okay. And 2010, you, 2000, somewhere in that seven, eight, year, seven, eight, nine years before I left. And how long did you work with the, the coach? 
Was it pretty consistent? Uh, I would say about six months. Uh, she was based in Denver. I was in Atlanta, and I had to go to Denver six, seven, eight times a year. So whenever I was in town, we'd sit down for a long breakfast or something and talk about things. Wow. So even as, as light of an engagement that you had with her, significant impact on your mindset and your ability to handle the disappoint of, disappointment of not getting the, getting the 30 years at Boeing and going off and doing your own thing. Yeah. I would imagine that she was one of the big uh, influencers for you to say, I want to coach. I want to, I want to do this. Oh, huge influencer. And I, you know, I, uh, I throw praise at her all the time on LinkedIn and so forth. Cause you know, and said, you're the one who always did all the work, not me. I just asked a few simple questions and I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand, but still, <laughs> I want you to understand the impact that you made on my life, and I can't imagine what you've done for others, but uh, you want to talk about joy and happiness, to watch people go flourish and, and live their light, live their truth of who they are as a person, uh, for you and I, for how God created us, and, uh, and so forth, and it... There's nothing like it in the world. It really is. I just feel totally blessed being able to do this work. What was the one thing that your executive coach, what was her first, just her first name? Uh, Rena. Rena. So when you and Rena were working together, what was the, what's the one thing you look back and go, wow, that, I mean, had, had she not asked that question or presented that, that certain way, I would have never had this mindset. Is there a certain thing that you, she talked about that you remember? So I used to have a, sign in my office that um, I put there about halfway through my career at Boeing that said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so creation, creativity, creativeness, whatever form of the word you want to use has always been big for me. And something that I talk to my clients about all the time is where are your creative skills? I'm a firm believer we're all born with creativity inside of us. But a lot of us push it down out of fear, shame, or judgment, or other things. It's like, where is that? That's, that's where you generate value in this world, is through your creativity. So where is it? And that's what Raina helped to pull out of me, is you know, turn your head around, start looking at ways that you can impact the world, pull out your creativity, you sing, you're a photographer, you've got creativity in you, where is it? And start doing that for the world. And, and that, that, was, that was sort of that one you know, light bulb on. <laughs> Flip yeah. the switch, whatever conversation that we had at a, at a pancake house in Denver, Colorado, that just went bing and my whole life changed, you know, because it's, it's, it's a mindset thing. And it's something I go after very quickly with a client is, is to understand what's going on inside that little brain of yours and what's that messaging and talking that's going on inside there. 
I want you to show that to me so we can straighten that out if we need to. Yeah. Because uh, it's, a, it's a major function of your self-leadership. And when you're doing the intro talking about that piece is, I'm a firm believer that we learn to be leaders by learning how to lead ourselves. Isn't it amazing that just a, an, a creative trained coach who can ask certain questions well, can completely change the way you perceive reality and how you want to. Well, to me, it's the difference between a consultant and a coach. Yeah. Consultant uh, comes in, learns about everything, looks around, and then writes up their report and hands it to you and says, this is what you should go do. They sort of give you the answer, per se, whereas a coach just asks questions. A good coach gets their client to think and answer that for themselves, but, answer, but ask the right questions to get them to go down the right rabbit holes, so to speak, um, of introspection. So when you started your coaching company, you named it Generate Your Value, right? And at your logo, which the listeners can't see, and I, I don't even have it, a, uh, uh, maybe, maybe the editors can put this on the screen when I'm talking about it, but your logo has an airplane in it. Yeah, I and I didn't really make the connection yeah. until we're just not I talking about it. I wanted to honor my, my career um, and the industry that I used to work for. And it naturally you know, alludes itself to somebody lifting themselves up to higher, higher levels for themselves, whether it's personally or in their small business or whatever it might be, is to say that you know, there is no limit. Sky's the limit, as they say. Yeah. And so I wanted that kind of connotation in the logo I developed for my business. So why'd you name it Generate Your Value? So good question. Value comes in different forms, right? So there's physical value, there's spiritual value, there's emotional value, there's relationship value. We could sit here for 30 minutes on our, on our show today and go through all the different values that there are. And, and you're either generating value or you're extracting value every single minute of your day of your life. And so if you're truly going to be of service in this world and making an impact in the world, then you have to be generating value. And the way you do that is through creativity. And that's why I get to creativity uh, in your life. So my whole focus of my programs and conversations with clients is about how are you generating value in the world? How are you generating value in your spouse's life? How are you generating value in your kid's life? How are you generating value in your employee's life? Do you understand love languages? Do you understand how it is that they have joy and happiness in their life? Do you understand their hurts, where they need healing, where they need support? whether it's your employee or your spouse. And that's why I took a philosophy of life coaching instead of being a boss with, with my team members is to say, where do you want to go in your life? Where do you need help? Where do you need support? The door is shut. It's just you and I. And I had, I had two or three employees that I either shipped off to other divisions or outside the company because that's the path they needed to go in because of what they wanted to achieve in their life. You've used the term creativity and the term value uh, significantly in that last couple of seconds of, inter of questions, or of answers rather. What impact does creativity have on value? Uh, well, it's like energy, right? Energy's ne neither created or neither, cre neither what's the phrase? Uh, destroyed or created, right. it's there. Yeah. 
So value always exists, but the question is, how are you using your creativity to package it in such a way that it's of value to somebody else, right? Yeah. Well, I think about in sales, um, you know, if, you, if you're trying to communicate the value of the product or service you're offering, you could say, look, it's a glass of bourbon. Okay, that's, that's fact, but mm -hmm. it did create value. But if you're creative and say, well, this is, uh, you know, this could lead to more free thinking, more enjoyable experience, you know, and... And, and get into it, the emotional values, the right? Emotion. Yeah. Take Apple, create. take Apple, for example, with Steve Jobs created a computer and you could just look at the functional value of a computer. Yes, it's, it's a rectangular box with a screen and a mouse and it does this software functionality and so forth. But he went to the levels of the way that it looked the way that it looked inside the computer that the consumer doesn't even see, to bring that emotional value to, to the end user that the Microsofts and everybody else in the world just whatever. Yeah. It was a creative a way to display value. Yeah, and who, who has the more cult following? Who has the more emotional, if you will, um, buy-in from the consumers was Apple because of that. Yeah. So he was looking at not only the functional value, but the emotional value. So as, as a human, where are you looking in terms of the spiritual value you give or the emotional value you give or your creativity to build products or services as a business leader for your small business to the world? What do you see how that applies to business ownership? What would you say that value and creativity, as a coach, what would you say as a business owner, this is how you apply that or where this intersects with your business ownership. For me, it's about the why. Why are you in business? Uh, you can take a strategic view of just saying, well, there's a need out in the world, there's this problem, and we're going to solve the problem. Okay. Uh, is that going to enable you to be in business 10 years from now? But if you, you go into business and you have a bunch of other competitors and you go out and you make a bunch of money in 10 years and all of a sudden the need goes away. That's what happened to the company that got bought by, by Jefferson and Boeing. We were in the business of towers and eventually the tower business was going to go away because all the towers got built. So you were looking at a, a curve of demand was going to go away and so forth. But if you're building a business around a purpose and a why, your product set, your service set might change, but as long as all those fit your purpose, you're going to end up playing what Simon Sinek calls the infinite game. And you're going to have longevity even though your products and services might change over the years. Because you're always looking for problems and needs that focus in around whatever your why is. Mm -hmm. So I sit down with small business owners, and first question I ask is, why are you in this business? Because I'm trying to figure out if they're looking at the long game, or are they looking, wow, I know my cousin has this need, and I know it's a problem out in the marketplace, and I'm hoping it's big enough so that I can, you know, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> what are the most common things that you're coaching small business owners these days? Well, everybody wants to focus on sales. You know, they get into it and they, they think of a product or service and they're thinking about money coming in the door and they don't spend enough time on expenses and what does it take to even open your doors of your business? What assumptions? Assumptions are a big one for me. 
what, are you, what are you assuming? Because your risk management is all in your assumptions. And so I'll have guys that walk in with a three-page business plan. They're just starting, and I'm like, uh, overkill. You've got too many assumptions in your business here that you need to either prove or disprove. And you need to start with like a five-pager, and your whole goal, your six months, 12 months in business is to deal with your assumptions, to learn. Be flexible, adjust, fail off and fail fast as you're learning through your assumptions so you can solidify that business plan stronger and stronger and stronger. But they're usually their heads are in the clouds and they're looking at the revenues. And, oh, I got this great product or service. Sure, it's going to sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are some business tools that individuals could use to guide their lives? What are some things that you're teaching them to, it's not just business, but it's a life tool as well? So the way I like to describe this is uh, you have the world, and the world is made up of human beings. And human beings have needs, the very least of which is food in the belly and the roof over your heads, right? And so businesses are set up to address needs in the world. Needs that people are willing to exchange currency for as opposed to make it themselves. So for me, it naturally translates that tools that we use in business strategy could then be moved over to a human being's life, right? So as human beings, we have our own brand. Uh, you, you're out there serving the world, hopefully. Hopefully you're being introspective enough, trying to make an impact on the world. You're trying to serve it. You're trying to fill some needs. So a common one I use is a, a, one of the most simple tools been around forever in business strategy is the SWOT table. Mm -hmm. Strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. You're going to put a bullet list in each of the boxes for each of those. Opportunities are where you have a business opportunity to grow the business. T's is threats from competitors, disruptors, technology disruption, what it might be that's going to impede you or stop you from doing business, right? So take opportunities and threats and change it to love and fear. Love slash passions. Those are your opportunities to grow the life you want for yourself. Fears are your threats to your life. That's what stops you. That's what disrupts your life. That's what stops you from using your creativity to generate value in this world. What do you think most people are scared of? Judgment and shame. The what the other person is going to think. The, the opinion. opinion of others. Yeah, I was actually had another guest on the show not too long ago, and I was talking about this. And um, I did a short video of this, put it on my Instagram uh, just yesterday. There's a guy named Osho who said the greatest fear that we all as humans have to overcome is the fear of other people's opinions. Of us. Yes. Yeah. And what you just said is a shame and judgment. It's what do people think about us? And as as coaches, you and I are, are share that. Although we coach mm -hmm. different people for different reasons, right? But we have to man help our clients manage that fear of other people's opinions while we are also managing the same thing. There's this imposter syndrome that so many of us deal with. Like we're fearful that other people will think we're a fraud because we're pretending. We think that we're pretending to be something we're not when we're sure. We're really just living out our reality. And I would add to that fear, uh, fear, shame, and judgment from ourselves. Yeah. 
you know, you and I share the love of guitars. I've only been playing the guitar for five years. And, but I've been singing since I was a teenager. And I wanted to expand my musical capabilities. And I, and I made a commitment to myself. I'm going to go buy a guitar. It was a cheap guitar. Like, I want a cheap one that if I decide to throw it away, it's not going to cost me a lot of money, right? But I'm going to spend 10, 15 minutes a day touching it. May not even stroke a string, but at least touch it. And I'm going to suck at it at first. I'm going to be lousy, and I'm okay with that because I know it's a journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm a self-taught guitar player. You know, I'm a rhythm guitarist in a band at church, singing Chris Tomlin and Matt Mayer and so forth every Sunday. And I'm, I'm contributing and, and adding value to the group. Yeah. But it's been a journey. And to push that fear down of being in front of an audience of 100, 200, 300 people every Sunday and say, I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of other better people than myself and I'm just gonna soak up this energy and learn from it. But if you're stopped by the fear of A, being in front of a bunch of people and B, thinking you've gotta be Eddie Van Halen or whomever after playing the guitar for a month, you got another thing coming. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you coach people to overcome that fear as a business owner in life, whatever? How do, how are you coaching them through that? Through the conversation that's going in the head, setting realistic expectations and uh, setting the mindset it's your own race. It's like the game of golf. It's just you with a stick and a ball and a hole. And you're going out there playing by yourself and, you know, Hopefully, if you're out there playing every single day, every day you get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And it's about you and that ball. That's your race, not what everybody else thinks. You know, and uh, another analogy I use in, in self-leadership is, are you in a rubber dinghy in the ocean being pushed around by the ocean, which is all the rest of everybody and their opinions? Or are you in a motorboat or sailboat leading yourself to where you want to go? What do you think makes some people more successful than others in business, just generally speaking? Certainly, we could pick better products. We could pick better services. Sure. But just generally speaking, what, you, what do you think makes some people more successful than others? Reasonable expectations, good risk management, uh, a great mindset, and a lot of perseverance. Yeah. You know, the, and, and grit, the ability to fall off your horse, dust yourself off, and get back on. Life, to me, is all about learning lessons. That's why, you know, my belief is our souls are here to learn lessons. So, are you learning lessons? Yeah. You're starting the business, where are your assumptions and what are you learning through those assumptions? In life, what lessons are you here to learn and are you being introspective enough and paying attention to that? That's, that's all, a, I don't know what you want to call it, a mindset, a culture, a, a way of being yeah. uh, in this world that I try to get people to so that they have greater chances of success in life. How do you define success? Living your truth or your life, your light out loud. Living your truth and your light? Out loud. So break that down. What does all that mean? Living your truth. Let's start with there. What does that mean? Why were you created? So I, I believe in an intentional God. And you were created here on this earth and you were created here to learn lessons and you were created with certain skills and talents inherently. You can learn some, but 
do you understand that about yourself? And have done the work to learn your lessons and who you are by nature. Are you quirky? Are you classy? Are you nerdy? Are you great sense of humor? Are you whatever? And you own that and say, I'm comfortable with it. I love it. This is what I was created to be in this world, and that's what I'm going to go do. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is my contribution to the world. And that's what I mean by, are you, are you living your light and your truth, and you're living it out loud? You have to first understand what your light and your truth is. Mm -hmm. You have to own it, you have to love it, and then you have to go live it. And to me, that's what success is, is that you've, you've gone through all those steps, and you're living your life out loud, and you could care less what anybody else thinks about it, because you know that's what you were created for. Well, with that as a definition, do you consider yourself to be successful? Very successful. It's been a, a difficult journey, you know, two failed marriages and, you know, bumps in the road uh, uh, in the career, you know, poor self-esteem, coming out of high school. I've had my challenges, but I had the right mindset to go discover my light and my truth. You know, Raina had a big part in that, and I'm living it out loud. You know, I'm sitting here with you right now because I'm living it out loud, right? So from that perspective, I'm very successful. And I'm trying to help other people be very successful under those terms. So what is it? How do you engage with the people with uh, Generate Your Value? What is, what is it that your specialty is that you're working and coaching with people? Uh, a lot of it has to do with the you know, where I think my uniqueness in the coaching is this ability to be both left and right-brained to use those strategic skills in business and bring them over to a person's personal life with some tweaks to help them build a, quote, strategic plan for their life to get them where they need, where they want to be and, and in a place where they're living out their light and truth out loud, you know, that we just discussed. So who's your ideal client? Who are you looking for to work with on a regular basis? My sweet spot is uh, anybody that's a small, is thinking about being a small business owner, is working towards it, or actually is, that's, uh, say, 50 million in revenue or less, 100 employees or less, kind of perspective. I mean, that's sort of the size business that I built within, within Boeing, uh, so I'm comfortable in that range. Um, that's sort of my sweet spot. Does that business, the, the consulting agency inside Boeing, still operable today? It is, but it's not near the size that it was. Why do you think that is? Uh, because they've been doing so much firefighting. 737 was a major fiasco. They're having assembly problems on the 787. They're, they're getting taken out to lunch by Elon Musk in their space business. Uh, yesterday, the uh, chief pilot of the 737 MAX program uh, was just indicted on multiple charges of fraud. Mm. That'll, do, that'll do you in. <laughs> you know, I, I put a post out yesterday about love versus fear. So one of my big things is love versus fear. It's the most ultimate choice as human beings that we have. 
if you're trying to catch up to Airbus and you want it to be an easy move for your customers' pilots to get trained on the new airplane, you want to minimize that so they save on expenses and you have fear, you get indicted with fraud. So I, I talk constantly about love versus fear in people's lives. And then on the SWOT analysis, you were talking about opportunity and threats, love and fear. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I, I've, done a, I've done SWOT analysis for a long time, uh, individually, um, co uh, corporately, through my businesses. And I don't think anybody's ever said opportunity is love, threat is fear. But that is true. I mean, if you look at doing that analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, your, your opportunities and threats are your love and fear. What do you love to do? What are you passionate about? Versus what's threatening you, which is what you would make you scared or to have. Or not do things. Or to or freeze. Or go down the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me do this. Let me ask this question. This is usually one of the last questions I ask guests on the show. If you know, I got a lot of people that listen to this that are extremely successful entrepreneurs with lots of zeros behind their name. Mm -hmm. And I got the early stage people that are like you were mentioning, either they haven't started thinking about starting or are right at the gate. They're starting right now. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you as a business coach and as a corporate executive for 20 plus years uh, who was entrepreneurship inside the corporate world, what would you what advice would you give? to that person at that end of the spectrum that's just now getting started, what's that golden nugget that Andy would say, this is what you need to pay attention to? What's that piece of advice? Before you even put the shingle outside the door of your business, do an evaluation of your life and your leadership skills and do the inner work mm. first. Because that then gives you the confidence, gives you the strength to go battle in business. And you're going to battle. You know, from when you start a business, uh, uh, you're going to need some momentum. It's not going to come like that first week, first month, first year. You know, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs in the beginning that you're going to need to persevere through. And you need to have in here working well. Yeah. Before you start impacting others' lives, whether that's your customers, whether that's your employees, or whatever, you, you that needs to be your focus. And if you've got fears and other things inside of you that's causing you to make bad decisions or distracted or you know throw whatever term you want at it, do your inner work first before you become a leader, because you're going to impact others when you're a leader. You know, I've asked that question of every single person that sat on the other side of the microphone, and nobody's ever said that. That's, a, that's unique, Andy, in, in your answer there. And I hope that listeners will take that to heart, that there's this inner work and working on the inside, as you said, before you work on the outside. Well, something to add to it, just real quickly. I feel like my philosophy is that the number one job a leader should do is build other leaders. And the reason why I decided to take a life coach strategy with my team is even if they don't have a title as a leader, they need to be a leader in their life. So even though they might not go off to be a CEO or an executive or a middle manager or whatever, they need to at the very least be the leader of their life. Mm -hmm. 
and I need to teach them how to be or coach them through how to be a leader in their own life. To do what Raina did for me and turn the head around, right? And say, <laughs> how, how are you going to create the life that you want for yourself? What does that look like? What is that vision for yourself? And how can I be your biggest cheerleader in that? Yeah. Well, Raina was pretty impactful in your life, huh? Yep. That's great, man. It only takes one person. It only one takes coach. one person. That's why I do what I do because I know it only takes one person. You know, yeah. We we say it takes a village to ra raise a family, to raise a person, to raise a business. But the reality is, it only takes the one to really make a serious impact. Yeah, that one person can make all the difference in the world. Uh -huh. Well, so how would people get in touch with you if they've heard this show now and they're like, man, I, I like that guy. I want to I want to reach out and get in touch. How would they get in touch with you? Uh, then go to my website, www.generateyourvalue.com. I have a weekly podcast. comes out every Tuesday. The name of it is Generate Your Value. It's on all the same platforms yours is on. Uh, from that perspective, I'm on all the major social media platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, my photography's out on Instagram if you want to go see that. Um, uh, I've tried to, make, tried to make myself pretty accessible. All right. So, listeners, go to generateyourvalue.com. Check out Andy McDowell. Andy, it's been an honor to have you on the show. I really appreciate you coming up here to Nashville and spending the time with us today to share your unique perspective on success. And while you're not the traditional entrepreneur, I think that the perspective that you're giving us and the listeners about how to think through uh, decision-making and assumptions and creativity and value. And I greatly appreciate your invite and I love what you're doing and your platform. That's why I wanted to be here and I'm extremely thankful that you're generating your value in this world. Uh, thanks, Andy. Well, there you have it, everybody. This is yet another, another really interesting story about success. Yes, a little different than we normally talk about on the show, but the value, to use the term that we've been talking about, the value here is this is a creative approach to entrepreneurship, a creative approach to thinking about what does it mean to start a business? What does it mean to be successful? And his advice to those of you that are starting out is to really work on your inside. Make sure you understand internally what your assumptions are, what your fears are, what your love is, what your passions are, which is passions that first key to success that I talk a lot about on this show. What are those things? Uh, if you've never done a SWOT analysis, uh, S-W-O-T stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. Since Andy brought that up, I want you to go to generateyourvalue.com, check out his materials, and work with a coach. If it's not Andy, if it's not me, it's somebody. Get a coach like Rena changed his life. Get a coach and work through that SWOT analysis on your life, on your business, and it will be very revealing. I know the first time I ever did it, uh, I thought, well, they spelled SWAT wrong because it's A-T. So it's S-W-A-T. Like, well, no, that's not it. It's actually S-W-O-T. So when we went through that, it was really eye-opening for me, and maybe you need to do that as well. So if you want to reach out to Andy, go to generateyourvalue.com. You can also reach out to me. I'd be happy to do that. Or if you've got another coach you want to work with, we'd be all of us as coaches just want you to get the results that you truly want. 
Now, my final offer to you, uh, I'm gonna offer is uh, for those of you as entrepreneurs who are looking to get more out of your life, to live that ideal life. I teach something every single day called Exit Without Exiting, which is how do you get to that ideal life now without having to wait to sell your business at some point, hopefully in the future, to somebody else where you can finally get all the free time, the money and the energy that you wanted when you started the business. I run an Exit Accelerator group coaching cohort. It meets for 12 weeks. It's me coaching live with you and 12 people, 12 total entrepreneurs, how to go through the four steps to exit without exiting. If you're interested in that, go to exitwithoutexiting.com, sign up for the next cohort. I've got one that starts very soon. We meet on Thursdays for one hour by Zoom. There's 12 of us, and I'm coaching you live through the ways that I know how to exit a multi-million dollar business into the life that I truly want, which for me right now is coaching and running other businesses and starting companies and investing in people. So go to exitwithoutexiting.com to learn more. I'll see you next time when we get together with yet another amazingly successful person and talk about his or her journey to success. Until then, remember, I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.